So glad that you're here. So glad those of you guys are online. Otis, so glad to be able to join us on this day. As a church, uh, this has been a season, as I know it's been for each and every one of you guys, which is why my fire in my belly burns hotter now than ever before, because I know that there are many churches and Christians that are beginning to shrink back, and this is the season where we actually need to press in forward. We need to press in forward with God, and we need to press in forward with the opportunities that God is giving us to shine a light to his name in this season and through the season, through our generosity with our Christmas services. You're hearing every week we're trying to find ways to love our community, and we've got our services that are coming up that I hope that you are already planning on inviting people to. You know, that you're saying, you know, I'm going to make a, make a point to be a part of what God's doing, whether it's on-site or whether it's online. Uh, They've been working hard with our online services. In fact, if you're going to be watching services online for Christmas, uh, we have some candles in case you don't have them at home, because we're going to ask you to participate in your own home-like candlelight service. And so we have those here, or you have them at any of the campuses that you're at. You know, you can grab them at Barker, or you can grab them at Otis, you know, as well. But I really, really want to strongly encourage you to sign up. You've got to sign up. If you go on one of the days, you're going to see, man, but there's a lot of open slots. That includes our overflow. If you click on December 24th, just to give you an idea, there's probably less than 50 per service that are left at each of the services for in the room here at Barker. Just gives you one example of what that looks like. And we've tried to even create some more seats so that we can still have social distancing in its proper place and order during our services. So I'm excited, I hope you're excited, and I hope you're ready to invite friends, whether it's on-site or, as like I said, or online. Now, as you know, in this series, you know, we have called it, He Will Be Called. And we're looking at just the four names that were ascribed to Jesus, what they called him. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says these words, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, The government will rest in his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so today, we're going to talk about Everlasting Father. We're going to talk about dads. This is almost going to feel like Father's Day. I just want to give you kind of a a heads up. So happy early six months of Father's Day. So it got me thinking about dads and where do we find good role models and dads. And whether it's good or not, uh, we tend to gravitate towards, especially this season, binge-watching Netflix and other places, TV dads. So I started putting together a little list, you know, of some of the favorite sitcom TV dads. No, Homer Simpson did not make the list. Um, Neither did Darth Vader because it never was part of a sitcom. And so here was some that you might be able to resonate. But if you're watching online, go ahead and put it in the chat even right now. What's your favorite TV dad? And if you're sitting uh, here or at Otis, just whisper to somebody else that you can think of instantly. What's your favorite TV dad? So here was my order from seven to one. Number seven, um, again, try to get a different, different age categories. From Little House on the Prairie, Charles Ingalls. Charles Ingalls, great TV dad. And again, let me be very clear. I'm only talking about these guys in context of their TV life. I am not talking about, or am I uh, you know, agreeing with whatever they did outside the TV life. I'm just talking about what you saw on TV. So I don't want any emails, okay? Just want to make sure. Okay, from Seinfeld, how about Frank Costanza? You know, Frank Costanza, that one just made me laugh. He's a funny guy. Uh, those of you a little bit older, you know, from Happy Days, how about Howard Cunningham? Howard Cunningham, seeing some nods there. Uh, from Home Improvement or Last Man Standing, how about Tim Taylor? Tim the Toolman Taylor. 
we got some of those there. Uh, also, from the Andy Griffin Show, we have Andy Taylor. Andy Taylor from the Andy Griffin Show. Or, a little bit more modern here, from This Is Us, we have Jack Pearson. Jack Pearson's pretty popular, you know, these days. From the Cosby Show, my favorite, number one, was Cliff Huxtable. Okay, Cliff Huxtable. TV dads, no emails. Just a little fun, you know, and here's the reality. Fathers impact our lives deeply, okay? Fathers impact our lives In fact, when I mention the word father, it brings with it a lot of emotion in our lives. For, for some of us, it's really positive emotion. You think about the times that you had growing up or the times that you have right now with your dad who was a phenomenal and great father. But for others, it's not a positive emotional word. It's a painful word. It's a hurtful word for a neglect or maybe you didn't even have a father while growing up. Here's what you need to know. Here's the facts in America today. More than 20 million children, let that sink in for just a second. More than 20 million children live in a home without the physical presence of a father. Millions more have dads who are physically present, but they're emotionally absent. In fact, if it was classified as a disease, fatherlessness would be an epidemic worthy of attention as a national emergency. In fact, don't just hear the stats from me. I want you to just take a look at what this means in the life of someone who does not yet have a father and what it could mean for them. Seventy-one percent of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Seventy-one percent of all pregnant teenagers. Eighty-five percent of all children with behaviour disorders. Ninety percent of all homeless and runaway children come from fatherless homes. Sixty-three percent of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Eighty-five percent of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. And the list goes on and on, right? It just, it, it's, it's not positive when you have fatherlessness that's taking place in people's homes in America today. And so what are we supposed to do about it? As followers of Christ, you know, or is it even as the church, there's three things that we want to be about. First, some of us in this room will be called to adopt. Some of us will be in this room to be called to adopt kids who don't have fathers, who don't have families, and you're going to have an opportunity to be able to meet that need. Others of you, as a church, we want you to encourage you to jump in to those of you who are dads, those of you who are male, to jump into our children's and student ministries. we got a lot of children, a lot of student ministries come here who don't have that father figure. And I can't tell you how often I have heard the impact of a volunteer, someone who says, I'm going to step in the gap. I'm going to be a small group leader. I'm going to step into a, a children's room and to be able to come alongside someone who might be at need. But most importantly... As a church, we want to teach people that even though you may not have a good or an absent father, that Jesus is our everlasting father, both for those who don't have fathers and those of us who've had incredible fathers. You see, Jesus is offering, and he's offering it tonight, and he's offering it for all time, a healthy paternal relationship. See, we started this series talking about Jesus being a wonderful counselor, then almighty God, but now Jesus being revealed as our father now makes this very personal, doesn't it? 
It kind of takes it from almost out there to, to much more in here. And I don't know about you, but when I heard about Jesus being called everlasting father, I got a bit confused, to be honest, because I've never thought of Jesus as my heavenly father. I've always thought of God as, as my father. And then I reread some of the New Testament scriptures about Jesus, like in John 30, the 10 verse 30, it says, the father and I are one. Father and I are one. Or, or as he, he talks to Philip in John 14, Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, which is why he will be called our everlasting Father. That is what he can be in our lives. Now, there are many things this means, but let me just give you four critical things that this means in our lives and why he would be called everlasting father. First, a father, him, Jesus, will love us unconditionally. He will love unconditionally. One of my favorite stories, you know, even about Jesus is, is when he goes to his cousin John and he gets baptized in the Jordan River. And as he's coming up out of the water, then it says the, the spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And the Lord said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Well, what did Jesus do up to that point? Had he died on the cross for our sins? Nope. Had he risen from the dead? Nope. Had he done his amazing miracles? Has he done his awesome teaching? Nope, nope, nope. God says, I love you for your very existence. That's incredible when it comes to loving us unconditionally. And I know though he loves me more than any earthly father could ever love us. I think about how often I tell my kids, you know what, guys? No matter what you do, I will always love you. I will always love you. As your father, I will always love you. It reminds me of Romans chapter 8 which says, and I'm convinced that nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? See, our everlasting, our Father, who is Jesus, not only does he love us unconditionally, but he provides the best guidance. We need help on this, this side of eternity. We need help to get through this, the life and the situations that come our way. And James 1.5 says, if you need help, if you need guidance, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. How many times do you get stuck? How many times do you go and talk to other people? And how important it is to have a father who knows all in all, knows you better than yourself, that can offer that kind of advice. But sometimes we shirk away because we almost relate to God as if he were our father. Right? And as we grow up, we kind of have a different perception. For example, Mark Twain said, when I was a boy of 14 years of age, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to 21, I was astonished at how much the old man learned in seven years, right? Seven years, well, who really changed in that relationship? See, the more you grow in your relationship with God, the more you understand, oh my gosh, he is there to help us. He's there to guide. He's helped to navigate life's circumstance. He has your and my best interest in mind. And how does he provide this guidance? Through his spirit. That's the first way. Uh, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what you have heard, what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. 
Uh, we get this guidance, you know, through when we pray on a regular basis, when we're praying. In fact, Matthew 6 says, but when you pray, not if, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. You're looking for guidance, wisdom, and direction. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So then he goes into the Lord's prayer. Pray like this. Our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And he goes on and on. So we are given this wisdom, this, this guidance by his spirit. We're given this guidance through prayer. We're given this guidance by his word. Psalms 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And we've talked about that as we looked at the Armor Up series and the importance of God's word in our lives. And he also gives us guidance through his people. So he empowers people who've lived life and gone through some situations in trust and honor of God who want to walk along this side of faith with you and with me. Matthew 18, 20 says, Jesus says, for two or three gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. This is why you saw us take some extra time today and encourage you to get in life groups to be able to jump in, to get connected, because you need other people on this journey of faith. I can't tell you, as I look back to my youth years, my youth pastor, you know, the, the, the leaders in my life, you know, that I had in middle school and high school were so instrumental because they were used by God in situations that I didn't know how to handle and maybe didn't feel right or comfortable going to my dad, but they were there as that person used by God in my life, and I don't think I'm alone in this room or as those of you who are watching online. So as our everlasting father, he loves us, he guides us. And one of the ways that he does this, and this is gonna sound fun, is he disciplines us. Our father, our loving father disciplines us. Now sometimes when some of us hear the word discipline, we hear the word abuse. We don't hear the word discipline, but that would not be accurate. See, show me a child who is not healthily, in a good, positive way, disciplined. And I will show you a child who really doesn't feel loved or is very spoiled. Right? God disciplines those he loves. But remember this. Rules without relationship will always equal rebellion. In other words, we can, we can have situations where we're just given rules and rules and rules, but if you don't have the relationship that goes along with the rules, then there's a tendency for us to continually rebel against the rules that are given to us on a regular basis. So we see that in our own lives, we see that in other people's lives, and so sometimes we see that in a relationship with God. If we don't have a relationship with him, it sure feels like Christianity is a bunch of rules. But when you have a relationship, you're like, oh no, this is actually really healthy, this is actually really good. God loves me. In fact, the most famous passage about the importance of God as our Father who needs to discipline us out of love comes from Hebrews chapter 12. So let me just read this and let it wash over you uh, as I read these words. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For God disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he actually accepts as his child. As you endure this divine dis discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who's never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, not abused us or abandoned us, but in a healthy way, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? 
For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best that they knew how. But God's discipline, don't miss this, is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's, while it's happening. It's painful. I love the honesty of the, of the Bible. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So God is actually giving his wisdom. He's giving his love, unconditional love. He's giving us guidance, and he's giving us discipline. But also, I want you to know that our Father never gives up on us. He'll never give up on us. Uh, How many of you guys have seen the movie uh, Finding Nemo? Finding Nemo? Okay, so you know it's a powerful story about the love and determination of a caring father going after a lost child, which is why Luke 15 is such a powerful chapter of the Bible that so many people look to for comfort and hope, even as we wander from him. In Luke 15, 4, Jesus says it this way, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Most of us, well, I got 99. That's pretty good odds. You know, that's an A plus plus. But Jesus says, no, no, no. If you really love these sheep, this is what you're going to do. Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that he lost it until he finds it? Or in verse 8. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And then he gets to the prodigal son story where all of a sudden the son was wandered from the father and the father has never given up on him. In fact, when he turns and comes back in verse 20, so he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. Jesus is reminding us in Matthew 28, I, Jesus, am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so our father is there to unconditionally love us, to guide us, to discipline us, but he'll never give up on us. And that's what's powerful about this. But understand this, is not only does he give us a paternal relationship, but Jesus offers us a permanent relationship, which is why he said he will not just be called father, but he will be called everlasting father, and that's important. See, everlasting means perpetual, eternal, forever, without end. Here is the permanent relationship that he's offering. He's offering everlasting life for anyone who would put their trust in him. John chapter 5 verse 24 says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me has eternal life that will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. So he's offering to be an everlasting father, someone to be in relationship with to all eternity. He will be called But not only that, he wants to offer us an everlasting family, a family. That's why he said if the church is almost a practice ground, regardless of your great or not so great family background, you know that we're supposed to be calling each other's brothers and sisters in Christ with God as our father through Jesus Christ. See, you can call him everlasting father, but you can only call him everlasting father when you're part of his family. And this is what we've said here all the time, as you understand, that gets confused in our culture. Not everyone is part of the family of God. We are all created in the image of God, but we are not all God's children, okay? But we can be God's children. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. 
So the gift is being offered. The gift is there, but we have to receive this gift. And when you and I receive this gift, we are not just receiving a gift of a Savior. We're not just receiving a gift that we had a chance to make him Lord, but we're receiving a gift that's going to allow us to be a part of a family, a healthy, positive family with Jesus as part of our everlasting Father. That's great news to hold on to, especially when you're going through challenging or difficult times. So my question is, have you received the gift? Have you received the offer? And if you're watching online or at Otis, maybe you can make that known even today. Why not today? Why not now? In fact, here's my next step as we wrap up. What aspect of everlasting father do you need to lean into this week? What aspect of everlasting father do you need to lean into this week? What is that for you? See, being a part of an eternal family is super important. And so we're going to have a song, and we're going to sing this song, and the worship team is going to sing it over us, and it's a song that's a blessing from Jesus to us who call him our everlasting Father. This is a blessing for you, it's a blessing for your family, it's a blessing for your kids. And I think this season, more than any other, we need to be reminded that our God is for us, that our everlasting Father is with us, and that he wants to work through us. And if you have a decision that you need to make, if you need somebody to pray for you, put it on the chat right now. If you need somebody, if you're in the room here at Otis, we're going to ask you to head to the cross, and someone's going to greet you there in Otis, somebody's going to greet you online, and someone is greeting you here at Barker to be able to say, we are here for you. Let me pray, and then let's sing. Jesus, thank you so much that you are our everlasting Father. We love you. And I just can't believe that, that you would just pour out yourself to us, that you're willing to guide, you're willing to give unconditional love, you're willing to discipline, Father, and you're willing to never give up on us, even when we wander, even when we make mistakes.